women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. Welcome. My name is Esme Lawrence, the host of this podcast, Sprinting to Success. My guest today is an international best-selling author, speaker, and coach through grief, bringing light to widowhood. You can learn more about her on her website, thewidowguide.com. My guest today is Michelle Hoffman. Michelle, thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. So I want to go back. I want to, so 20, we just finished 2019. We're now into 2020. Yahoo, 2020. What, are, what, what is something that you're proud of that you accomplished in 2019 that you can share with us? Wow. 2019 was an extremely fruitful year rooted in a real challenge. I had lost my husband and I have two really smart kids and I needed to figure out what should I do with my life to support my children and move forward with complete clarity in my life. How do I support my family? And, you know, my options as I'm like lying in bed as a widow, curled up in fetal position, just soaking the pillow with my tears, with the energy really only to move over to the other side and do the same. And I realized this is not serving anyone. So I thought, what should I do? And one, I built, um, I built, I designed a program to pull life together after loss. And there was no guide for me. So I wrote the guide. It, literally all of this in the last year, I wrote Life Worth Living, a practical and compassionate guide to navigating widowhood and soul parenting, which really it's any major life role change. How do you, what are the seven steps to overcome obstacles and pull life together and be the parent you need to be for your children? So I published it. I self-published it. I reached number one international bestseller. Nice. I walked the red carpet twice. I overcame fear of the camera and public speaking. Um, and I mean, this, I wrote the guide I didn't have. And it was because I went out and helped a friend who went through what I went through. Um, when a buddy, a high school buddy of mine who I used to go running with, uh, went out for a run and had a heart attack and died. I thought, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then I realized, ooh, I actually do know what to do because I am a widow and I have been through this and I know how to pull life together after loss and make sure that each aspect of life is secured and stabilized for myself and my children. So I went to his widow and I brought Chinese food, that's what you do. And I told, I told her. That's what you do. 
People don't know what to say or do, but I do. That's right. <laughs> so I told her, this is never going to be okay. I'm going to hold your hand and walk this journey with you. Let's project manage this thing. And that's what we did. We prioritized and project managed what needs to get done right now, the financial and fiscal and legal things. What do we do to put surrogates in place for the kids so that they know that their mother is enough, even though their father is missing and he's never coming home? She was only planning dinner and suddenly she's planning this community-wide you know, funeral and memorial for her husband. I mean, and we, any of us, if we've changed communities, changed jobs, changed identities of any kind, welcoming family into the, into the world, changing relationships by becoming a partner, by going through a divorce, any of these major changes, we sit down and go, what do I do now? How do I get through this? Uh, how do I overcome this loneliness and isolation? And who do I go to where I used to go to someone else? Um, so it seems like you um, actually accomplished a lot in uh, yes. 2019. You know, you wrote your book, you wrote the guide for your book. So that's a great accomplishment. So I'm gonna take you back to, as a teenager, what were some of the struggles that you had as a teenager? Interesting that you asked that question because as I was talking, I realized um, my biggest challenge as a teenager was shyness and a sense of needing um, confidence and competence to figure out when, what needs to happen and then to figure out how to make that happen and to have the courage to make that happen. Right. And how to rejuvenate and maintain energy to continue making that happen. So I'll give you an example. In junior high, every kid, I think it's really the hardest time of life. Any of those, you know, going through puberty years because you've got all of the challenge of wanting to be part of a community and part of a, a group and you want to stand out in some way, in a unique way. That's a positive, unique way, not a way that, you know, other people might, the kid, your peers might look at you and make you stand out in the wrong way. Right. So going through that, and then you layer on, you know, puberty and all the challenges, the physical challenges that go along with that era of life. And I, I really felt alone and lonely. And that became stressful and had health impact and emotional impact. And when I started high school, I thought, I'm never going to be this lonely again. How do I make sure that happens? And the way that I handled that was I took a breath, I rooted myself, and I extended my hand out to every single kid in high school. And I shook their hand and I met their eye contact and I said, hi, my name is Mish. And then I literally blacked out after that. <laughs> so hard to make that first effort. And they thought, you know, whatever they thought, I don't know. But, you know, well, okay, she's saying hello. So who shakes hands the first day of high school? Um, so I, I stood out. And so I met everybody. And the second day of high school was a nightmare because everyone knew me and I really didn't remember their names. <laughs> Going down the hallway, hi, 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 Michelle, hi, 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 Michelle, hi, hi. And, I, and I'd say, 
I, I mean, then I was stuck with what do I do now? Right. And so they're like, well, we, I just met you yesterday and I'd have to go humble pie, right? And go, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. And then they'd tell me or I'd say, it's really important that I remember your name. And that's how I started to really build relationships in my teenage years. And I also learned that the person who puts their, extends their arm out and says, hi, will you be my friend and makes eye contact? It's such a generous gift because it's really hard. And we all do hard things, but to be the first person to extend that gift is just so kind. <laughs> well, you know what, Miss Michelle, you were brave. In high school, I was really shy. You know, I had no, I really had no confidence. So there's no way I would be extending my hand <laughs> to anyone. I just want to, you know, roll up in, in the corner and just, you know, be in the back of the class and, you know, like, it, don't just ignore Esme, right? You didn't see me. <laughs> just, right. Well, that's how every, that's everyone's experience. Right. We all see other people are popular and having a good experience and that we are insular in that way and we're the only one have, having this hard time. It's not true. Everyone's going that challenging journey. I mean, everyone has free. Thank you for being witness to mine here. You know, thank you for inviting me to be witness to yours. And so, that, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I've remained friends with high school people and I've confirmed this very topic that we all have challenges that we go through and that we all have similar journeys in some way, even though it's very unique. Right. It's a very, we each have our own unique path. Exactly. We all have um, challenges in life and um, we have to find ways. Some people decide they're going to do something about it. The challenges, others decide they're just going to, you know, you know, hide away and hide behind fear. You know, so then I want to go, I want to um, go forward now to a young adult. What were some of your challenges as a young adult? As a young adult, um, I, I, I was looking for a very traditional lifestyle. And I had, in addition to the standard religious Bibles, I had two Bibles. One was the Betty Crocker cookbook. <laughs> And the other one was the famous fairy tales. And I really value the fairy tales because they tell a story like be kind to everyone because the unlikely person in the corner may have the invisible cloak, cloak that you need to go discover the world dancing princesses or make sure that the aunties get invited to the big life event and if they don't receive the invitation, they might cast a sleeping spell on the most important guest. Um, you know, so it's like, be good to everyone and they will be good to you and be there when you need that. So those, as a young adult, I took those lessons into my life and realized how valuable they were and how they apply to everything. I wanted to be um, Samantha Stevens from Bewitched. I don't know if you remember that Oh, yes, show. I remember her. Yes, yes. I wanted to be able to just wiggle my nose and That's right. make the magic happen. And um, then I realized I also needed to be the ad executive and the marketing person and the one developing the campaigns and every other aspect of everyone in that show. 
But um, so for me, I was looking for a partner. I really wanted a partner to create that lifestyle. I was looking for Mr. Wright and the 2.5 children, and I was going to get a business degree and be an innovative woman, and I was going to, you know, create all of it. And I really had a chance to do that um, in many ways as I went through my university studies and um, took time to go study overseas and experience different cultures. What did you study in university? Um, I studied business, marketing, and international economics at the Sorbonne in France. Awesome. Um, Yeah, it was really, I I love to learn. I love to learn. And even when I was done with school, I I didn't realize the education was over. So I thought, well, what do I need to learn next? So I went into finance and worked my way up into portfolio management and realized that was really stressful. And, um, and I thought, well, what would be the positive opposite of this? And that would be to get into the health and wellness industry to help reduce stress um, and learn all about that. And so um, I did. I actually became a group fitness instructor and traveled the world again, doing train the trainers and all over the world. It was fantastic. I would call the coolest resorts and go, do you need someone to fill in or train your trainers? And there I would go. It was a fantastic. So you did this on your own. Mm-hmm. You, you call the resorts all over the world. Um, I mean, I just came back from Jamaica. Well, a couple of months ago, not just when I came back, but a couple months ago. And um, it was beautiful. I mean, I was five-star hotel, you know, with my son. I mean, I was there for a wedding, but it was beautiful. So, I mean, people like you were just doing all sorts of stuff, you know, yeah. like um, getting us fit. <laughs> right. Because that was, that's what energizes me. That's what right. energizes me. Um, so I, you know, and I maintained all of that as I went into medical publishing. And um, that's about when I met uh, Mr. Ray for me. And uh, my cousin and I went on a cruise. And we were put at the wrong dinner seating at the wrong dinner table. And we met these two guys. And that was pretty much it. That night, he kissed me on the dance floor. Wow. So, so is it love at first sight? <laughs> well, it took me a couple hours. It was love at first sight for him <laughs> at dinner. And on the dance floor, like I said, he kissed me. And I did what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman. I laughed. Oh. <laughs> he was brave enough to ask what's so funny and I just said my whole world has changed it was like I was going down this track and it's been picked up and now it's going toward you and that's (laughs) what every man wants to hear when he kisses a woman I love it (laughs) my track is going towards you that's right (laughs) and you know what it didn't scare him off so obviously you know you were the right you were the right woman for him right that was what he needed to hear so that was it and we really built our life together at that point um and he was a fantastic partner Um, And there's so much to developing a relationship and growing it to become a really good partner. And we decided to welcome in a dog. So that's the 0.5 of the 2.5 children. And we just, we built a home pretty traditional, like I said, Um, we were, we were both working, we had a home and we decided, you know, maybe it's time to have some kids. So we had our first one, our little bundle of joy, fantastic little boy. 
And on his first birthday, which is really for the parents, there's like 70 people in the house. And my husband was telling my son, go play with your little sister. Oh, you don't have one. I'll make you one. And so he pulls me aside. He does the fatherly deed. He says, you're pregnant. It's a girl. I'm like, how could this possibly be true? And sure enough, that's how we had my daughter. So right. it's like, <laughs> she's lived her life knowing that go play with your little sister. Oh, I'll make you one. Um, I'll make you one. And he made you one. And he did. He's like, that was a good, that was good support. <laughs> So how long were you guys married? Because I know, I mean, I, we all know what's coming next, but right. so how long were you guys married? So we were married for, it would have been 16 years the day after his funeral. Wow. So, um, so Michelle, like, how did he die? So he un- had a very unlikely cancer journey. I mean, well, I guess, you know, any cancer journey is an unlikely cancer, cancer journey. But we, you know, just a very healthy lifestyle, and cancer chooses in its own way. It just chooses in its own way. Um, he was 39 years old when he got the diagnosis, and he was 43 when we got the sympathetic head tilt of you know, six months to live. Wow. And uh, so now how did he, so when he, at 39, when the, when the doctor said you have cancer, now what was his reaction? How, like, was he... Uh, optimistic or was he, you know, like uh, become totally bummed out? That's a, that's a really good question because I think you're talking about resiliency and that's, it's how do you learn resiliency? How do you uh, handle stress? How do you uh, uh, handle grief? All of these things. And I don't know if those, if resiliency, stress, grief, I don't know if those are emotions particularly, but they certainly have a physical response um, or we have a physical response to them. And I mean, I, I believe both my husband and I, we take challenges head on. Here's the situation. Here's, I said it earlier, here's how we're going to we go get Chinese food. Here's how we're going to project manage and prioritize what we're facing. Here's how we're going to communicate what we're, our needs are. And with stress, for example, you can become aware of the physical responses. Your palms might be sweaty. Your heart might start start racing. Your head's going to be in a certain pace. You might get stomach, you know, tightening up. And when you adjust your relationship with stress, you get that oxycodone hit that is the, the cuddle drug that makes you, encourages you to reach out and build community. And the same thing is how I help people move through grief and loss. Because what my advice is, grief is complicated and ambiguous. And it's when you're trying to get something done, grief will slam your head against the kitchen wall, drop you to the kitchen floor, put your foot, put its foot on your neck and prevent you from breathing or seeing your future. And we needed to run a marathon in a series of sprints. And you cannot run a marathon if you don't have the resiliency and the, the oxygen to breathe or the ability to see your future. Right. So then how did, how did your husband handle it? So we worked together and we figured out our options. We project managed what we could. We communicated to our community what was going on. We are givers. And we were suddenly catapulted into a situation where we needed to be receivers. 
And that's a hard adjustment too. So, I mean, there's a, a grief of changing your identity and your role of who you used to be. And now he's a patient and he's a cancer patient. He needs to, his finish line really was fighting cancer and whatever the doctors were presenting his next challenge to be. So we fought it as a family. Um, the children were informed at the developmental, appropriately developmental stage that they could understand what was going on. So they were supportive. Um, they were included in as much as they could be. And um, my, my late husband is a fighter and he yeah. is a survivor and he's so full of love and loved his role of being my partner and being a parent that he was going to maximize and live a life fully, as full as so now. So now did his priority change? Because I know if somebody said to me, um, you have cancer, my priority would change. Yes. I'd be in a sprint to, um, to, do, to do before I, you know, before I leave this earth. Right. So priority that um, changed for him, like what became more, the most important thing in his life after the diagnosis of cancer? So it's interesting because I think our priorities are always there. But as you duly pointed out, you go, you change your approach to life when it switches from a marathon to a sprint. In a marathon, you need to figure out endurance and long right. oxygen, long run. And in a sprint, you literally shift your body weight forward. You're going to, you'd be able to explain this better than I, but you're shifting right. your body weight forward and your focus is closer. And um, that's what we do. So the right. best way to live fully in a sprint is to really experience through your senses everything that your body can possibly absorb through, what is it, sight, sound, taste, touch, feel, and then your intuition. And the other piece of that is to connect emotionally and spiritually with the people who you love and love you. Nice. And you do that in whatever capacity you possibly can. And as his capacity diminished, we would go for long walks in nature. And then it was to the end of the block. And then it was to the end of the driveway. And then it was nice. in the sun. Or we would drag the oxygen tank outside so that we could feel the heat and the sun and the warmth of the day. And when none of that worked, we put uh, Google goggles on so you'd have that experience or listen to music and taste honey right. on the lips of my lover. You know, it was just amazing right. and magical. And his dying words were, I love you. Oh, oh. <laughs> so that's Michelle, that's beautiful. I love you. His dying words. So tell me about the, the last month of his life. <laughs> how was his, how was his mood? always positive, always lovely. This man had just a wonderful disposition and we would circle him. We would call it a circle of love and we would share stories. I have, um, I, I wrote all of these little stories down and uh, I would call them, remember that time when. And so when the going would get tough or we needed something, I would pull a remember that time when. Um, so you might pull, remember that time when we were in Jamaica and, you know, yes. inspire a moment. 
So we would do, remember that time when you told your son, you go play with your little sister and then we'll make you one. Remember that time when we first met and I laughed when you kissed me? Remember that time when we danced and it was the first dance and remember the dance at our wedding and the dance when we had our children and the last dance we shared together. So we would remember that time when. Um, we, we listened to music that he loved. Uh, there's no word in the English language for them when the person who you love, who you're losing, comforts you. Oh. And that, you know, it's like, Mm. It tells you what kind of man this this um your husband was, you know, compassionate, caring, loving to the very end, where he's uh, consoling you. I know. You know, you're the living. You know, you're gonna continue on without him, and uh, he's consoling you. Oh, oh, what an awesome man! Oh, right. And I know how to have true love. It's really interesting. I've been invited to the Global Love Conference coming up because this is something that. Um, you know, people tell me they want to love again. And I know how to create that kind of relationship. And so I can help guide others to, to recreate that kind of love in their life. Right. So, so what were some of the struggles now, now that he's, he's gone, you're a widow. What are some of the struggles in your life and, you know, with the, with the children? <laughs> I mean, like your, with your identity, like the whole life has, it's changed. It's right. different now because he's, he's not here. You know, you're a one parent in the home with, um, with, with your children. What were some of those challenges and how did you overcome those right. challenges? Right. So there's more to life than just being the one who didn't die. And, you know, people would come to me really wanting to be closer to him. And then I felt like they were disappointed in me. So it was very lonely and isolating or people can't really address their mortality. And boy, I don't blame them. This is not a club. I, any widow would want you to join. It's too painful. Um, and then it's, you know, so my book is really about the practical and the compassionate because when you become a widow, they say, you know, go to seek your religious leader for spiritual support, go to a therapy, go to a list of things you need to get done. And I'm like, this is not enough. I really need a guide. So I would ask, you know, how do I get the legal and financial stuff together? How do I parent on my own without losing my patience? How do I find surrogates to support for the things that I cannot do? How do I find the father for the father-daughter dance? I mean, these are tricky. How do I do everything on one salary? And at that point, I wasn't working. So how do I you know, return back into the workplace? How do I take care of myself when I'm busy taking care of everyone and everything? How, how do I find love again when I'm an overwhelmed, grieving widow? You know, let alone, you know, then I see people who are having this wonderful life experience in the woulda, coulda, shoulda bins. And I'm so happy for these people, authentically happy. And I realize, I don't want to be staying in this mode. So I'm not going to stay stuck in grief. I'm not going to. I want people to be able to be happy for me. So I'm going to be happy for them. And I ask, will I ever be able to laugh and find joy again? So, you know, I 
don't need to wait for permission to live. And so I figured out how to address the fiscal and financial, how to find the right people to put in place where my children were vulnerable so that they don't get involved in risky and dangerous behaviors because that could be a problem. I am only one person. Even if I'm amazing, I'm never going to be enough for them. But, you know, finding the right mentors and teachers for them. Also for myself. I, my one person was my everything. So I put together an inspirational advisory board uh, who've trusted mentors who have my best interest and the kids' best interest in mind. And I know I've got emotional champions, accountability experts who I go to, and subject matter experts. So I go to the experts for their area of expertise. And it's a real like ninja superpower to figure out who do I go to for what and what's their zone of genius and how to not go beyond that zone of genius. I figured out how to parent alone with tools and tricks like inviting my children when they were little, listening to what they didn't say when they were playing because that would tell the story of what was really going on with them. And now that they're older, I ask them straight up, do you want me to listen, guide, or help? And then I, the hardest part is actually doing what they ask. <laughs> <laughs> because we always want a guide. But yeah, we do. <laughs> you should do this, this, this. But it's <laughs> like, mom, listen. <laughs> just listen. And so I do. And then if, I mean, they're saying that, but they know what my value system is. But sometimes we just want to be heard. So that's why we do that. Um, So let's see. So parenting, financial, fiscal, career, revenue, resource, how to um, parent as a sole parent, how to become the head of household, how to um, rebuild on your relationship spiral because I'm not the same person I was before. Um, So who leans in and who, um, who no longer is appropriate. I had a really good friend who I was a Girl Scout leader with tell me that I couldn't be friends with married people anymore because I'm single now or I'm not married. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous, I think. (laughs) But these things happen. There are phases in widowhood that occur to all of us that that would never happen type stuff. And it happens. So to know about that, one of my clients, um, because if the book is not enough, Um, I will take on clients and actually guide them through the process. And he says, oh my gosh, Michelle, thank you so much. Your hindsight gives me foresight. So I can help prepare and smooth out the obstacles so there's no sabotage. So Michelle, so if somebody is listening out there and they just just, um, lost their spouse, what are, say, three or four things, um, um, you know, tips that you can give give them to guide them on their journey to... um, you know, just to, you know, to, to um, be different, but become the person that they have to be. Because now, now they're, I wouldn't say alone because it's community. You talk about community, right? Mm-hmm. But what are some of the tips that you would give them um, to, you know, to kind of set them on their journey of recovery? So be kind to yourself. And if you can only do one thing, do one thing. So, you know, really understand that, I mean, it's t- a total depletion of energy on a cellular level that's different than anything else. Um, 
So be kind and be kind to yourself. Don't make any decisions straight away. Project manage and prioritize what needs to happen and what can happen later, because otherwise it is overwhelming. Um, realize that you can move through grief and loss um, to adjust your relationship with grief so it helps propel you forward. Find a guide, and it may not be me, but someone who can be there for you. You know what the number one thing is? Update your will, update your beneficiaries, put your advanced medical directives together because you wanna make sure that the people who survive you have an easy enough time. And if you can get life insurance, do that. So, I mean, those are things nobody really tells you. And I'm going to be the person who says, you know, this may sound a little brusque, but we need to make sure that this stuff's in place. Um, for my kids, I had, they know, they were like clinging to me. I couldn't get them off me and they were sleeping with me, which was fine for a certain point. Um, but I helped them trust that they would be okay by doing my life in reverse, putting the end of my life in order, just as I did for my late husband's. And that included asking someone to take care of my body in the event that I'm not in a position to do it, that's advanced medical directives. Um, invite somebody to take care of my children in the event I couldn't do it, the dog. Um, I've got somebody in charge of their education and I, once a year, update everyone and say, if this is a responsibility you're not willing to take on, that's okay, let me know. So I make sure that there's stabilization in place. Um, so I would say do that straight away, even though it's hard. Um, because those types of actions actually help you move through grief and loss so that you can understand that you can have laughter and joy and as deep as you felt the pain of the loss, you're going to feel joy again. Right. And, and really, you know, as an athlete, you know, the value of having a coach along the way. So, um, definitely for any of the listeners here, you're welcome to get my book on Amazon life worth living a practical and compassionate guide to navigating widowhood and soul parenting by Michelle Hoffman. And, as my gift to any of your listeners, you can also go to thewidowguide.com, T-H-E-W-I-D-O-W-G-U-I-D-E.com and download a copy of my book as my gift. And if the wow. book is not enough, you can go ahead and schedule some time with me and I will provide a free support call with you. And I'll see if I can, you know, what we can do together to project manage and prioritize the most important things in your life so that you can feel joy again and live again and find happiness and diversion and create a vision aligned with your authentic values that is your legacy in the world because you have one precious life and it's worth living really living uh, michelle you're great yeah, that's some great gifts um, for our audience and so, so Michelle, what is it, um, you know, you're very successful, you're a successful coach and, and so many different things. So what is it that you're still struggling with today? I, that's, you know, I'm going through it just like everybody else. Right now I have the most glorious teenagers anyone could imagine. And three weeks ago, I was the cool mom. Nice. <laughs> that was three weeks ago. 
<laughs> the cool, the cool mom. Woo-hoo. It's over. And I even had to ask, you know, three weeks ago, I was the cool mom providing sanctuary for everybody. What has happened? And the difference is, I mean, I still have the same struggles and grief and triggers and everything that everybody else does. I think what's different for me is that I bounce really fast. It's that resiliency we were talking about earlier. It's how do I adjust to stress and grief? And I bounce quickly and I can see from the outside what's going on. I have very intuitive, I look at patterns and I can see it so easily in other people. But obviously, always it's someone else, right? Um, but for my children, I'm, I'm a sole parent and I'm still head of household and I want to be the biggest, greatest support I can for them. And they have to go through the journey. It's their own journey and I'm witness and support. So the greatest challenges I have are the same as every other parent Yes, <laughs> and yes. being present and knowing when it's time to give them space and be close enough that they can ask for the guide or help and not just listen. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, Miss uh, Michelle, I mean, today I was crying because a song came on. My mom died in 2017 and a song, whenever a song came on and, um, you know, I was just crying because I miss my mom so much, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, I really think that, um, you know, like, I mean, you're going through the stages of, of grief and, you know, even though I celebrate her life and I was thankful that she was on this earth, but, you know, but I miss her and I was just crying like a baby, yeah. you know, and then, and then my son came in the room and he said, mom, what's wrong? And I said, I miss my mom. Yeah. And, and, and that just happened today. And, you know, so we all go through those stages, you know. Um, and when you lose someone and, and you're someone so special away, and that's it. It's the, I mean, you had more than one emotion at a time and yes. we're really, well, one, we're taught how to acquire things in life. We're not taught how to let go. And yes. there's, there's not really clear lessons on that. But the gift that you got and that you just shared was in the depth of that joy and sadness. You could experience both of those things at the same time. The gifts that she brought to the world, the legacy that she had by making a difference in the world and how you cherish her even after she's gone. I mean, yes. what, what a wonderful way to honor her. Oh, oh. She, Michelle, she was just this awesome, awesome, awesome lady, you know. So thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing, you know, all the story, your story about the loss of your, your husband now that you're a widow. So what would you like to share with our audience before we go? Well, I'm so excited about 2020. And there's so much clarity for everyone in 2020. Um, I mean, we're, we're here and it's time for, you know, a refresh, a reboot, reimagining how your life can be. And I would like to invite everyone to, you know, take that opportunity and create a vision and align their authentic values in that and create a legacy for your one precious life. My mantra for 2020 is to be the lighthouse, to give safe guidance and passage for those who can come to me via the widowguide.com. My whole life goal is to provide this guidance and safe passage to, um, to live a full and happy life. 
and to create your dream come true and to be given the permission to do what you want to do and not have, um, I don't know, there's like, I kind of describe it as like the monster of superimposing what you think other people think of you. It's a little complex on that, but it's like, we, we don't need to worry about what other people are thinking of us. Yes. Just get your clarity, understand how easy it is when you have a goal, decision-making becomes very simple. And it, life is so much more enjoyable when decision-making is simple. Right. And um, so what I'd like to share is to go to thewidowguide.com and connect with me and let me know how I can be your lighthouse. Um, that's, that's, how, that's what I'm known for. And I am going to be sprinting to success with Esme Lawrence. Oh, thank you. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for all those words of wisdom. And so for, to learn more about Michelle, go to EsmeLawrence.com. Thank you so much for listening to Sprinting to Success podcast. Have an amazing day. I am Michelle Hoffman. I am your lighthouse as thewidowguide.com. And I am sprinting to success with Esme Lawrence. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.